the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Stop reindeer paws Out jumps good old Santa Claus Down through the chimney With lots of toys All part of the little one's Christmas joys Oh, oh, oh. oh who wouldn't go oh, oh, oh. Who wouldn't go Up on the housetop Click, click, click Down through the chimney With good Saint Nick First comes the stock In the little now Oh dear Santa Hi everybody Hope you had a good weekend I'm Dennis Prager well, my two favorite weeks of the year are starting today. I'm sorry? Oh, okie Okay, everybody, listen to this. Daily Mail has a piece by a woman, Why I Refuse to Buy Any Gifts This Christmas, and Doting Grannies and Aunties Can't Either. So I'm going to ask my producer right now, since he has a good read on humanity, what do you think her reasoning is? Her primary, she has a number of reasons. The primary reason. Well, the safe answer is always to say global warming. You're right. That's it. <laughs> His answer, the way, well, no, I'll, I'll read it first. I, all I want you to know is he got it right, and he, he he prefaced it with, the safe answer is always to say, now, maybe people are thinking it's safe to say consumerism, which is, uh, there's always, the left always has isms. Everything is an ism. <laughs> okay, but uh, that's, that's uh, a, a secondary feature. Last year, surrounded by wrapping paper and abandoned gifts, I suggested to my husband, Chris, that next time we shouldn't buy anything for each other or the children. Not to buy kids gifts for Christmas? That, isn't our whole angel appeal that your, your incarcerated parent will give you a gift? <laughs> oh, my God. Not buying anything for my husband is trivial because he can buy it for himself. That's fair. I don't think you need to buy it for your spouse. I, I, I agree with that. But not buying presents for our two girls, aged six and three, is a trickier proposition. We're increasing, increasingly aware of the global impact of our purchases. That's it. You got it, man. You know what? What was, what was your thing? It's safe to say? The 
The safe answer, yeah. So th- that may be true about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not do X, Y, or Z in each case, global warming? Mm-hmm. So the, the ruining of the quality of life of humanity, which is, you will see how dramatic it is within a decade, uh, but it, it has already begun. Uh, look, the Netherlands wanted to uh, close down its farms. The greatest exporter of, of isn't it the greatest exporter of food in Western Europe? Yeah, for sure. It's the yeah. Second, greatest second in the world? Next to the U.S. Next to the U.S. Yeah. They were going to shut down their farms. That's why the conservatives did so well in the elections in the Netherlands. <laughs> so let's see here. We're increasingly aware of the global impact of our purchases. Everything we buy the kids will go into landfill. There you go. No gifts, kids, because we're saving the planet. No cars, folks, because we're saving the planet. No electricity uh, in great numbers... We will charge you a vast sum of money and create what is known in Germany as energy poverty because of global warming to save the planet. What if the planet is not in jeopardy? (gasps) Then you're a climate denier. Notice they never actually answer your point. We provide really prestigious climatologists and, and they're not heard. Both, uh, both my producer and I have beloved relatives uh, who uh, vote Democrat. They don't hear any of this. That's the issue. As I always say, this is a fact. Conservatives know what liberals and leftists, this is one time where liberals and leftists have a lot in common, don't know. They don't read what we read They don't hear what we hear. They don't watch what we watch. They don't study under whom we study. But we hear what they hear. We read what they read. We watch what they watch, and we study under them. We know what they know. They don't know what we know. Concerns about material excess at Christmas are as old as the age of consumerism. But with the planet on fire... Did you know that the planet is on fire? I just looked out the window. Yeah, yes. There's no sense of hyperbole. That you can't exaggerate on the left. There's no such thing. That's why it's called an existential threat. In 1990, Al Gore told us we had 12 years, and then it's over. That was by 2002. Then we had another 12 years. That was 2014. Then we had another 12 years, and that'll be two years from January 1st. But it doesn't matter. That, That their predictions don't come true doesn't matter.
with, but with the planet on fire and plastics everywhere. Plastics everywhere. You know, they show you this, uh, aren't they going back to plastic straws? They, didn't they flirt with paper straws, which is a joke. You know what paper straws remind me of? The old joke when I was a kid. It's, this joke is not said anymore. No kids hear this. They would, uh, we would insult each other, which is what boys do. We would insult each other at summer camp, and one kid would tell a joke, and he'd go, "You're as funny as a screen door on a submarine." There's a whole series of "You're as funny as." What was another one? "You're as funny." Oh yes, "You're as funny as a cigarette machine in a cancer ward." Did you ever hear that one? It was pretty dark, yeah. Anyway, you're as funny as a screen door on a submarine. That's what, uh, you're as funny as a plastic straw. Excuse me, as a, as a paper straw. And, and so now they're back to plastic straws. They show you this giant accumulation of plastics in the ocean. However, they don't show you that in relation to the ocean. Never. So, of course, it looks humongous. But then if you take a picture of, let's say, the Pacific Ocean, you can't see it. If you actually see, it's, not, it's, it's barely a dot. Yeah. It seems like we are at a moment of reckoning and have been for some time. So what do you tell your kids? No gifts Christmas, kids, because we, we're worried about plastics and landfills. What, what if years from now it turns out to have been wildly exaggerated, like the efficacy of the mRNA vaccine and, and its safety turned out to be wildly exaggerated, bordering on lies, and and then then what happens? Nothing. The, the left never pays a price. They closed schools for no reason, for no good reason. Teachers were adamant they'll go on strike if they open up the schools. Chicago Teachers Association. They didn't pay any price. People don't have the contempt for teachers' unions that they deserve. I mean, truly contempt. Christmas Day will feel Christmassy even though I forced this rule on the family. Well, she's honest. She's forced the rule on the family. Telling my mother-in-laws and brothers and sisters not to buy the girls anything. That's chutzpah. I'm sorry, girls. I feel for you. Your mother is a hysteric. Back in a moment. Now that's chutzpah. There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver. Bank failures, digital currency volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin and Bullion, my choice for precious metals. If you ask my friend and AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. 
But the gold piece is worth about $2,000, which would you rather own? So let's simplify the reasons to use Amfed coin and bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at Amfed coin and bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Have yourself... A merry little Christmas Let your heart be light Oh, okay, oh yes, there was one more thing in her uh, moronic column. It was uh, this woman who's not getting, and not only is she not getting her children any gifts for Christmas because of global warming, but she is telling all relatives not to do so. What if the relative does? Will she reject it? I don't know. So let's see. Christmas Day will feel Christmassy even though I forced this rule on the family, telling my mother, in-laws, and the brothers and sisters not to buy the girls anything. Poor girls to have such a mother. Poor girls to have a father who is obedient to the wife. I would say, honey, if you don't want to buy a gift for the girls, don't. I will. I will say, mommy, mommy disagrees with daddy. We love each other, but mommy disagrees because uh, this the the planet is burning, and and if we give you a doll, well, we, this is probably a family where she would be opposed to dolls because. They're girls. They should get, if they should get a gift, it would be a tank. No, but a tank that makes war. Yeah, you can't really buy anything. You, consumerism, uh, global warming, landfills, uh, sexism, and militarism. I'm not, I'm not kidding. What can you now buy for a, Two girls age, ages three and six. Not a dress, clearly. Not a princess outfit, clearly. Not a doll, clearly. We already ob- obliterated tank, even though that's more masculine and therefore wonderful because we want to suppress our girls' femininity because we don't like any, we don't like femininity or masculinity because we're leftists and we just don't like anything <laughs> except chaos. Uh, so what can you buy girls ages three and six? They're not going to enjoy toy trains. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Uh, what can you, oh, I guess you could buy them books, especially LGBT uh, books. Yeah, it would be some book about some kid who, doesn't think he's a, he's a, or she is binary. Oh God, what a sick sick age! Oh, you can buy them a book on the virtues of Hamas. That would be that would be acceptable. The final uh, thing I'm reading to you from this column. By the way, do you do you have this in your family? Do you have the an anti gifter? Are you an anti gifter? 
Prager 776 I will treat you gingerly if you call in and you're an anti-gifter. I promise. My sister was appalled and very cross. This is obviously, this is an English woman. This is the Daily Mail, which is British. My sister was appalled and very cross that she will be thought of as the mean old aunt just because I want to strip the joy out of Christmas, why should she have to? That's entirely accurate. <laughs> That's right. The, per- the point of a gift is not, is not just the gift. It is that you got a gift. And that the kids are looking forward to it under the tree. By the way, if you don't give a Christmas gift because of landfills, do you give you don't give a birthday gift either? There should be no gifts, correct? Yeah. I can't believe that she would make an exception for the girls' birthdays. Well, you know what, folks? The way it works in life, there's a lot of luck. I know a lot of you don't agree with me, believe that everything is God's will. I believe in God very deeply. My life has been devoted, hopefully, to doing his will and to uh, convince many, many people to take God, the God of the Bible, seriously. But of course, uh, there's no question in my mind that there is luck in life. I, I just read in the Daily Mail yesterday about a young couple killed by a, a woman drunk driver. God, God willed it. The three Jew- Jewish hostages by of Hamas who were killed by by Israeli forces, God God designed that, that they should die and that fellow Israeli should kill them. That was God's will. I mean, it it. it uh, my, my my only point is that these girls didn't have great luck in the mommy they got in this regard that she may be wonderful in other regards. People are complex and I fully appreciate that. But that I, I I have a feeling that this woman was very much pro mask for the children. I would you be willing to bet she was it's hard to imagine if she's that scared of global warming. She was that scared of COVID. Scared is a big factor in what forms people on the left. 1-8 Prager 776. Any anti-gifters in your family? Back in a moment. This Christmas, the new film from director George Clooney arrives. It's a rags-to-riches, absolute crowd-pleaser based on the number one New York Times best-selling book, The Boys in the Boat. The inspirational true story about one of the most difficult sports in the world and the 1936 University of Washington College rowing team that competed for gold in the summer games in Berlin will inspire you. This team rowed out of need, need to eat, need to sleep, and it gave them an edge that captures the power of working together to overcome all odds while rowing for America. 
They don't make movies like this anymore, and it's filled with wholesome content that makes it the ideal multi-generational movie for the holidays. Joel Edgerton and Callum Turner star in this exciting and incredible story of courage, hard work, and determination showcasing America at its best. Believe in each other, believe in the impossible. The Boys in the Boat opens Christmas Day in theaters only. Get tickets now, boysintheboatmovie.com. No matter how far away you roam, when you pine for the sunshine of a friendly game. Dennis Prager here. Oh, that's, that's funny. Well, we do have uh, we do have a few. I'll just talk about this for a few minutes. I think it's a big issue. Otherwise, I wouldn't raise it. I mean, I started the show with it. That's how big I think it is. We're living in an anti-joy moment. You know, to give you a a value from uh, the Bible, specifically the first five books, the most important books of the whole Bible, because everything else in the Old and New Testaments rests on the Torah, the first five books, love your neighbor, God created the world, the uh, the sin of Adam and Eve, the Ten Commandments, love the stranger, it's all there. So here's an interesting law you probably don't know, but it's in, of course, my rational Bible, the com- my commentary on the first five books. There's a law that if uh, it's an, for Israelites, for Jews, there's a law. If you take a vow of uh, of being a Nazarite, Nazarite was a sort of a, a, a one who is denying oneself certain pleasures of life that are permitted because you want to have this holy period in life, whatever. Actually, the Torah takes a dim view of it because at the end you have to bring a an atonement sacrifice. Depriving yourself of joys that you, you could have had is actually a sin in my religion, Judaism. Uh, there are five questions the Talmud the second holiest work in Judaism teaches five questions people will be asked when they die. And one of them is, why did you not partake of any of every permitted joy? And uh, it, it's another example of where the left is, is, is the antithesis of the Bible. Bible says, do not favor the poor in judgment and the whole basis of of the left is equity, which means equality of result, not equality of justice or opportunity or anything else. It's an anti-joy movement, and it, it's it's apparently it's a, a big element in human beings. Religious people have it too. That somehow you're holier if you deprive yourself of joys. Like, this worldly joys are inherently unholy. But that's not true. Some some joys are inherently unholy. That's uh, obvious. It might be joyful to have an adulterous affair, uh, but it's certainly not holy. So, the left 
it, it has taken this impulse in the human being. We are we are holier. Remember, leftism is as much a religion as Christianity or Judaism. We are holy if we deny ourselves and, of course, others, imposing their values on others is inherent to leftism. If they didn't, I wouldn't give a damn. I wouldn't even report this stuff. Just this woman is microcosm. She has told every relative, you can't bring a gift to my daughters. You see, this is that this story is a microcosm of what is happening in the Western world. See, Christ, Christians, mo, most Christians, uh, serious Christians, Catholic and Protestant, and I'm not, I don't take theological positions on these matters. LDS. Uh, the, these people don't impose, they may impose upon their children, but they don't impose on society uh, how to live. They want to persuade society about how to live, which we should all be doing, but the, nothing compares to leftist coercion. Embodied by Justin Trudeau, uh, prohibiting the striking truckers. If you will recall, it's not ancient history, you should recall it, from access to their own money in their banks. Back in a moment. Tchaikovsky, the greatest Russian composer. He, the, the man was a master. You know, I'm very much into classical music. I conduct pieces with orchestras. He was the the non-German greats, are not many. It is. I don't know if there's any field of the arts so dominated by one nationality as Germans dominate classical music. Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Haydn, Schumann, Schubert. It's beyond, it's beyond belief. But here was a, uh, here was a great, uh, he, Tchaikovsky was a master. Anyway, Merry Christmas to you. Most, the vast majority of you listening do celebrate it. And... I wish, I wish America were as religious as it was when I was a kid. The chaos that we're seeing is a direct result of the secularization of society, an idea of such immense idiocy that only the intellectual could advocate it. One of my favorite people, now my debate is, is he one of my favorite people in America or on earth? My brain, <laughs> my... <laughs> 
No, no, I, I give you my word, Steve Cortez, that I was debating in my mind, what do I say? On earth, it's true, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. There may be some Tibetans who, who rival you, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you I love a- this man. He, he's terrific. Uh, he, he was a former senior advisor to, uh, to, to uh, uh, the, the last president, Donald Trump. And uh, he uh, was, you were with, I, it's really amazing to me when I first got into your life or you got into mine, you were at CNN. Correct. It's, at, it's eerie. Yeah, at, at the request of Donald Trump, which is pretty amazing. He, he asked me, this is a funny story. You'll like this. And it's a Christmas time story. So uh, it was Christmas in the White House 2017. So the first Christmas party is being thrown by then President Trump and the first lady. First time uh, my wife and I ever got invited to a White House Christmas party. Very excited to attend. And that alone was, was, was you know, a gift enough to us, right, to get to attend a White House Christmas party. Military aide tapped us on the shoulder and said, uh, you're going to get some private time with the president and the first lady. So, oh, my gosh, even better. My wife had never met President Trump at that point. So, what, you know, what an occasion. Took pictures together. I, I posted the pictures many times with the four of us, the two couples on social media. Uh, here's the bad news. And, and President Trump literally prefaced it that way. He said, okay, the good news is, you know, you got some time with us in the picture. The bad news is. I need you to go behind enemy lines. I need you to go to CNN, um, which I then did. And, you know, I, I graciously and, and gratefully took on that task. I said, I will go over there. I, I spent two years there, all of 2018 and most of 2019 until my activities with you got me got me pulled off the air. Uh, my activities of truth telling got me pulled off the air. But uh, I was happy to go behind enemy lines and try to win over the persuadable hearts and minds uh, who might be watching CNN, especially overseas. One of the things that bothered me about CNN is because of my previous business career with a lot of international travel and international work, I knew that CNN is the voice of America to a lot of the world. Unfortunately. That's right. That's right. Um, and I wanted to try to project to that audience what we were about, the America First movement. And when I told the truth uh, with great assistance from you and from PragerU, when we together told the truth, about what Donald Trump did not say and actually said at Charlottesville, uh, that he expressly condemned bigotry in his remarks about Charlottesville, and he never praised neo-Nazis. When we told the truth with the receipts, with the transcript, with the tape, uh, that got the plug pulled from me at CNN, and they uh, they took me off the air. But, but so be it. Uh, we'll let the chips fall where they may. We have to tell the truth. Before I get to your very important column, about the American economy and the Biden presidency and related subjects. I just want to dwell on that for a moment. That example, unbeknownst to you, is a perfect example of a a rule that I say almost every day, truth is not a left-wing value. It's a liberal value, it's a conservative value, but it's not a left-wing value. The the attack on you was not over whether or not you told the truth. Mm-hmm. It was that you defended the president. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, 100% correct. 100% correct. No no one disputed the facts That's right. of that, what that, yes. we stated you know, in that PragerU video because they're, they are indisputable. And uh, the, the transcript was the reality. Now, the highly edited transcript... Uh, or highly edited video could be presented in such a way to at least infer that the president, uh, President Trump, was praising bigots. But the opposite, the exact opposite, 
was actually true. And I, I think, and I know you and I have talked about this at times off air, I think it was one of the most damaging episodes in American political history. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that because the vast majority of Americans to this day that's right. still believe that's that right. he called Nazis very fine people. Yes. And no matter what you think of President Trump, that's almost immaterial, what you think of him or what right. you think of the America First movement or the populist right. The fact that people were overwhelmingly sold an abject lie as the truth, when the actual truth was the opposite of the lie, the polar opposite of the lie. It's a really dangerous precedent for our country, and it largely succeeded. Now, we did our best, of course, to, uh, to, to spread the reality and shine light on the reality. And thankfully, I think that video now is still 8 million views and counting on PragerU. So thank goodness for, for you. What is the uh, name of Alan it? Because I want for, people, yeah, I want the Charlottesville lie with Steve Cortez. It's at PragerU.com. He, he uh, Steve, simply delineates the facts, transcripts, and everything. But it, again, as I said, it's not a it's not a value. How? Just one final question on this: Why did CNN? It was already woke. Why sure. did it hire you? Yeah. Well, listen, I think to their credit, uh, in an attempt to at least allow a disparate voice. Now, I think that disparate voice was brought on in many ways. The way. Uh, pro wrestling needs to have a heel, right? You need to have a villain because it makes for drama. It makes for tension. Uh, the audience also needs somebody to hate. So I'm, I'm not going to give them too much credit because I was clearly brought on there as the heel, as it were. Um, but I will also give them credit, the fact that, look, they paid somebody with clearly a populist, mm -hmm. right, nationalist perspective, you know, to come on their airwaves every night for a year and a half. It was a two-year contract for a year and a half until I did that video. But this part's fascinating too, Dennis. They took me off the air. I asked to leave. I said, listen, I don't want to not be on the air. This is what I do. I, I communicate ideas, right? I write, I broadcast, I, I'm a communicator of ideas. Uh, they took me off the air, paid me. Now, a lot of people might say, oh, well, isn't that great to get paid to do nothing? Well, maybe for a few days, maybe yeah. a couple of weeks. But no, I yeah. want to be in the arena right. no, and no. in the fight. Exactly. And the reason you... they kept paying me right. was to take me off the field. Exactly. Because I wasn't allowed right. to go on any other program, including your right. own, by the way. A ask any professional athlete, would you like double the salary to sit on the bench or half the salary right. to play? Right. It's exactly the same thing. You're there to touch people's lives. Now, one more thing. You have started a group, and give us a, just a brief uh, resume here, sure. of, of what it is, the League of American Workers. What is that? Yes, yeah, so it is, a, it is an advocacy group for American workers from the philosophical and political perspective of the populist right. Um, I believe there's a void in American public life and certainly in American politics where there are not significant groups advocating for American workers. The big companies have all the representation they need. Uh, the trade unions, which claim to represent workers, actually represent the secular humanist left, particularly the leadership of those organizations. And so I believe, particularly when it comes to two crucial areas of trade and immigration, that we need to protect American workers. And I don't believe that protectionism is a bad word. At least it shouldn't be in conservative circles. So I started this group recently, the League of American Workers. Folks who want to learn more can go to amworkers.com, amworkers.com. And we are doing research. We're doing a lot of polling, extensive amount of polling. We're doing advocacy. We are going to be actually endorsing candidates in this upcoming election cycle. And we are going to advocate on behalf of workers, protecting their rights, protecting their prerogatives and their prosperity. Well, that's important. 
Uh, you will find this of, of some interest. Uh, not the first part. This is just a preface. My field of study was communism and, and the left. Uh, a very odd thing to study. Most people didn't. In Columbia, where I was in graduate school, seven out of many thousands of students majored in communist, what was called communist affairs. And I realized very early on that the communists used workers to gain power. They didn't give a damn about workers. And sure. that became my operative understanding of the left. The feminist organizations use women to further their left agenda. They all use a group. Mm-hmm. And the, the proof is that they don't even defend women's sports. Okay, to the economy of the United States with Steve Cortez in a moment. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All of the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Steve Cortez has now founded the... uh, American uh, League of American Workers, and you may know him from any number of arenas, from CNN, is very, very wildly popular, and a very important preview video about the Charlottesville lie, and and his uh, writings. So he has a, a piece up at Real Clear Politics about the economy. And your your take is that this is the real jeopardy for a Biden re-election. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. That this is an economy right now which works very well for the top 1%, which, by the way, is paradox of politics, is unfortunately the norm for the progressives. The people who claim to represent workers, for example, actually represent the most connected, crony, moneyed interests in society. And to give you statistics to back that, not just sloganeering, J.P. Morgan just put out a study talking about excess savings from the COVID lockdowns. So because of those tyrannical and unscientific lockdowns, there was a lot of artificial surplus savings created because people were literally forced to stay home. Um, So they almost couldn't help but save. In addition to that, of course, very generous government checks were sent out to hundreds of millions of Americans. That's a big part of what has fueled this inflation now. But regardless, there were excess savings. J.P. Morgan says for 80% of Americans, those excess savings are now gone. And they say at present trend, by the middle of next year, 2024, they will be gone for 99% of Americans, meaning only the top 1% are now better off from a savings standpoint than they were before the lockdowns. And that kind of statistic also underlies the absolute crisis of confidence that we see right now in our country. And I don't think I've ever seen, at least in my life, a bigger chasm between 
a bigger gulf between where the corporate media is. You know, we talked in the prior segment about the, the malfeasance of the corporate media, but where they are on the economy trying to spread narrative and propaganda to the American people that, oh, the economy is actually fine. You just don't know it somehow, even though you know your own life and you know your own budget and your own stress and your own anxiety. But a gulf between that narrative and then the reality of where people are on the ground. And so my organization, League of American Workers, is doing extensive polling of the battleground states. And our most recent polling polled the state of Wisconsin, which could well decide the presidency and other races in 2024. And in the state of Wisconsin, by the way, we got a straight down the middle polling sample. Literally half of our of our uh, respondents said they voted for Biden in 2020, half said they voted for Trump. So we're not cooking the books here regarding the sample. And of that sample, we said, is America on the right track or the wrong track? Only 22% of Wisconsinites say that America is on the right track right now. And then when we drill down to, okay, what are the reasons yeah. Overwhelmingly, number one is the economy. We asked them about their approval of Joe Biden on the economy. In Wisconsin, battleground state, only 17% say that they have a very favorable view of Biden on the economy. 47%, almost three times as many, have a very negative view of Biden on the economy. So it is a tough slog out there for the vast majority of Americans economically. I'm smiling because uh, I would love to meet what did you say, 17% thought America is on the right track? Steve, I want you to know, if I could have an evening with any group in America, it would be with them. Right. I, I, I would love, I, I, I can't even imagine yeah. what they would say. But do you know uh, what, what? No, I, yeah. I think it's a combination of two things. It, it's some people who are just blinded by ideology, right? I mean, they just, That's right. just yes. willing to ignore reality and they're blinded by their ideology but then there are also a, a smaller group but there are folks you know in that one percent dennis who are doing well in this economy if yeah but I, wait wait wait. i'm owner, doing well in the economy and i think that the country is in jeopardy of yeah. its demise I, I i don't know you can't see beyond your own circumstance right right well we have to be able to if we want to be decent and honorable yes. human beings and if we want this republic to thrive and and this republic which i believe is you know near the edge of a cliff in a lot of ways but including economically. I thought this was fascinating too, Dennis, and I, I think will be important to you because you care so much about the health of families. The worst numbers we got in this Wisconsin poll, the most depressing numbers of all regarding the state of the economy, their own personal affairs, et cetera, were parents with school-aged children. So when we broke it down oh, and asked wow. parents with school-aged children, uh, people who quite literally have more mouths to feed, right, who are some of the most worried and stressed people in society today, if you're a middle-class person right now, with several children, and particularly if you're trying to do it on a single income, this economy is miserable for you. And we saw that in the statistics. Let me give you a couple. When we asked parents whether they approve or disapprove, only 10% strong approve of Biden, 63% strong disapprove. So a six to one ratio, twice as bad as his overall bad ratio. And this was a really depressing number among parents, Dennis. We asked, is the American dream still attainable? Which is a very straight-up question, not a leading question, right? And again, right. our sampling That's was exactly right. split. Correct. Trump and Biden voters. Is the American dream still attainable? Among parents, only 28% said yes. That's it. Fewer than a third of parents of young children in America believe that the American dream is attainable. That's the level of despondency that is out there. That's the loss of hope, the loss of, of belief. So this goes beyond the, the stresses, which are very real, the kitchen table stresses, of meeting the budget, that's bad enough. And that pain is acute. 
But even bigger than that, in my view, Dennis, even more worrisome to us and, and should give us a sense of urgency is this loss of belief. In, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better for my children, something that has generationally been a promise of America. We're losing that. So it's important for us to focus on the micro, you know, what matters here and now, this month, next month. But it's also, I think, important for us to focus on the big picture. And the reality is, from what we are getting from our, our polling, we're getting the data back that shows there's an absolute crisis of confidence. So while the Washington Post, and I, I cite this in my most recent piece in American Greatness, the Washington Post had the gall, their chief economics writer, uh, Heather Long is her name, to actually say she said it was an economic miracle in 2023. An economic miracle. So while people sit in newsrooms in the Acela Corridor in Washington and New York and say that it's an economic miracle, regular Americans, hardworking citizens, in places like Oshkosh, Wisconsin, are mm -hmm. saying, I can't pay my bills. I've never been this worried, and I don't believe my children have a future that involves the American dream. Right, when we come back, so it, it, I'm giving you a heads up here because no one has answered this question, and it's not asked except that I want an answer. How could the inflation rate not include uh, energy and food. Maybe you'll be able to explain it to me, uh, but that's my question. I'm speaking to Steve Cortez. His piece is up at DennisPrager.com. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election story, Storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. Snowflakes falling, church bells calling, it's Christmas time again. Fires lighted, kids excited, it's Christmas time again. Now Santa's sleigh Who's singing this? Who's singing this? Is on its way. This is Peggy Lee? You didn't know that, Erwin? And now, ladies and gentlemen, I return to Steve Cortez, who is a uh, very important voice in this country. He's got, uh, uh, he's started a new group, League of Women, women, that's funny, because of the League of <laughs> Women Voters. I say, right. I say League of, my brain took over an automatic. League of American Workers, and and again, you, you it's amworkers.com, is that correct? That's correct, amworkers.com. Right, good. You should all take a look at that. Okay, so do you know the answer? Because uh, this, this is, um, it makes no sense to me. The inflation rate doesn't include food or energy. The, right. the two things Americans spend the most money on aren't right. included. Do you know why? 
Uh, no, there is not a good reason. It, it's sort of like it's the economic version of saying, well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, you know, how was the play? That's right? a uh, perfect words, analogy. Yeah, no, it's look, as somebody who traded interest rates. So this world of inflation is where I made my living for 25 years before I got into politics. So I had an entire career in this very world of, of bond trading, interest rates and inflation. Uh, I can tell you there is no good reason to exclude food and energy, two of the most important components, of course, in any person's budget. Uh, and, and the reality there, by the way, so let, you know, let's talk numbers. Grocery prices. Now, has the inflation gotten slightly less terrible in recent months? Yes. Well, well, oh, oh, forgive me. Only, only in percentage of rise. It Correct. hasn't. The prices Correct. are not lower. Correct. Remember that if if the rate of inflation isn't as terrible, that does not mean that prices are going down. In fact, the opposite is true. Prices are still going up. They just not be may not be galloping higher as quickly as they were previously, but they are still markedly higher. Let me give you some concrete examples. So, grocery prices. We mentioned food and energy. Grocery prices right now twenty percent higher than when Biden took office. Let's talk about housing prices. Oh, wait, really? Person. Only twenty percent. 20% for groceries. But that is a massive move for groceries. No, I agree, but it seems worse than that small. even. And certainly and it, restaurant and bills. Restaurant bills are, are well higher than that. And if we look at, at, at mortgages, so a medium-priced home, $430,000. And I know in some parts of America where you are in California near the water, that's nothing. In most of America, okay, that's a decent home, $430,000. The monthly payment on that home when Biden took office, was just over $1,700. It is now over $3,300. So that's it double. almost doubled. Yep, it is effectively doubled. You add that to what's going on with grocery prices, what's going on with prices across the economy. And this is also critical, Dennis. Food and energy are, are crucially important, of course, the, the staples of life. But And I've made some, some of my Chalk Talk videos about this. What doesn't get any attention from corporate media are the services prices. And services inflation is much stickier. And what I mean by that is when those prices go up, they almost never go back down. So things like energy, that's that's volatile, okay? It can go up and down a lot, sometimes dependent on world affairs, what's happening in the Middle East, uh, what's happening in China. But when prices for services, okay, in your life, things like your healthcare, things like haircuts, okay, those prices, when they go up, they just continue to stair step that's higher. They might go sideways, for a while, but then as they don't go back down, unlike the price of, of energy, for example, which can vacillate uh, higher and lower. And services inflation right now is still at 5%. Now, is it as bad as it was last year? No, but it's still terrible. The analogy I would use is it's sort of like, listen, okay, you're getting beaten up, but while they were beating you previously, uh, kicking you, punching you, and using a club, well, maybe now they stopped kicking you, but they're still punching you and they're still using a club, okay? It still hurts. You're still in a terrible spot economically. And again, that's not my opinion. That's the reality as reflected by the economic data, by the numbers. I always say price is truth. And the prices are the truth of what Americans are facing. And Americans know the truth in their own lives. You know, there's a lot of places, you know, Dennis, we mentioned earlier the way the media unfortunately propagandized and fooled a lot of Americans into believing that President Trump said things he never pray, uh, said, that he praised neo-Nazis. The media might be able to fool people in certain areas, and their narratives, unfortunately, at times can be successful. But thankfully, when it comes to this critical area of their own life, their own prosperity, their own budget, 
it's almost impossible to snow people. It's almost impossible for the corporate media to convince people that they're in economically good shape when they know very well because of their own bottom line, because of their own bank account balances, that they're not in good shape. And All so right. I think there's a lot of vulnerabilities for the left, but this is the starkest one headed into i got a lot more to ask you. Steve Cortez's piece on the American economy from Real Clear Politics is up at DennisPrager.com. And he is the founder of the League of American Workers. Back in a moment. Said the night wind to the little land. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little land. I can't interrupt this. Just Do keep listening. Do you see what I see? It's too special. A star, a star, dancing What year is this from? With a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? I wonder if this song were released today, would would young people react to it, or is it is it too is it too beautiful? I know that sounds uh, either odd or even mean spirited. It's, it's neither. No, no, the recording is irrelevant. It's, it's when when is the song from? Not when is the singer from? It was written that late? Oh, so sorry, Sean. 62. Your first guest was mine. <laughs> 50s. Well, you know what? It, you know what it shows? 62. It shows 63 is the dividing line. The Kennedy assassination. It's, it's, it's dramatic. The event changed the country. Welcome, everybody, to the Dennis Prager Show. I'd like you to uh, hear, and I will be interrupting to, to comment on the insights of uh, Bill Maher with regard to the Middle East. He's one of the really few non-conservatives to speak out and not all conservatives are. Folks, just let me make this point very clear. There is something wrong with your ability to deduce moral right and wrong if you do not understand that this is a good versus evil fight, Israel versus Hamas. It is not perfect versus evil. It is good versus evil. It is as clear as Nazi Germany versus England. It is that clear. I took a vow in my be- beginning of my career 40 years ago not to exaggerate. That is no exaggeration. The clarity is identical. It is, it is a very, very worrisome sign that so many young people in particular, are are anti-Israel. 
Anyway, here's Bill Maher from this Friday night. Nativity scenes when I'm out, as you always do before Christmas, and I can't help thinking about where that manger really is. It's in the West Bank on Palestinian lands controlled by the Palestinian Authority. In 1950, the little town of Bethlehem was 86% Christian. Now, it's overwhelmingly Muslim. Okay, hold on. That's my point tonight. Hold on. He, He has a very important point to make, but I have a different point to make. The Muslim attacks on Christians in Africa and the Middle East go unnoted. So, this is going to be a, uh, it's a subject unto itself that I wanted to raise, so it's a perfect beginning. So, listen to this. Pope Francis, so this is from the Jerusalem Post, but many, many places have uh, reported this. And one second, I will try to, whoops. It'll come up, folks. One moment, please, because this I want to read to you of uh, what was said here. Let's see if this will work. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. It is, it is inevitable that these things happen, but this is too important. Give me one moment, and I will have it up. There we go. Pope Francis deplores Israeli killings of civilians at Gaza Church, Jerusalem Post, Jerusalem Post. And then I, ha- I have something additional to note to you. Pope Francis on Sunday suggested Israel was using terrorism, those are his words, tactics in Gaza, deploring the reported killing by the Israeli military of two Christian women who had taken refuge in a church complex. At his weekly blessing, Pope Francis referred to a statement about an incident on Saturday by the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem, the Catholic Authority in the Holy Land. The Patriarchate said an Israeli Defense Forces sniper killed the two women, whom the Pope named as Nahida Khalil Anton and her daughter Samar. As they walked to a convent of nuns in the compound of the Holy Family, Parish. The Patriarchate's statement said seven other people were shot and wounded as they tried to protect others. I continue to receive very grave and painful news from Gaza, Francis said. Unarmed civilians are the objects of bombings and shootings, and this happened even inside the Holy Family Parish complex, where there are no terrorists but families, children, people who are sick or disabled nuns. Francis said they were killed by snipers and also referred to the Patriarchate's statement that a convent of nuns of the order founded by Mother Teresa was damaged by Israeli tank fire. Some would say it is war. It is terrorism. Yes, it is war. It is terrorism, the Pope said. Okay. So there were two Christians killed in the middle of a war, one might add. So I'd like to bring to you an interesting other point in this regard. So 
for example, here is a piece from Angelus, which I believe is a Catholic website. And this is from January. In Africa, Pope Francis has to walk a tightrope on anti-Christian violence. Pope Francis clearly wants to make his January 31st, February 5th outing to the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan about peace, not only within nations, but also within Christianity itself, given that in South Sudan he'll be joined by the Archbishop of Canterbury and the, and the moderator of the Church of Scotland. Officially speaking, religious freedom isn't part of the pontiff's agenda, yet reality on the ground has ensured it has to be part of the subject on his third trek to Africa. More specifically, a pontiff who's made outreach to Islam a cornerstone of his interfaith agenda will be forced to wrestle with the ugly face of Islamic radicalism and anti-Christian violence in the wake of several high-profile atrocities in the run-up to his arrival. Now, I remind you, the Pope just condemned Israel for terrorism when in the middle of the war, two Christian women were killed in Gaza. In Congo itself, the article continues from January, a Pentecostal church in the eastern city of Kasindi was targeted on Sunday, January 15th, as bombs exploded during a baptismal service, leaving 17 people dead and wounding at least 60 others. In a condolence telegram dispatched January 17th, Francis assumed the families impacted by the violence, assured, sorry, the families impacted by the violence of his compassion and closeness and entrusted the dead to God's mercy, praying that the affected may find consolation and confidence in God, invoking on them the gift of peace. Responsibility for the attack was claimed by the Islamic State, with Congolese military officials blaming the rebel allied democratic forces, which is allied with ISIS. ADF attacks since April alone, have killed at least 370 people, according to UN report in December. Okay, so let's see. So thousands, tens of thousands, I believe, Christians have been killed by Muslims, real terrorists. I don't believe once the Pope has declared that they're terrorists. But the Israeli army, in the middle of a war killing two, is terrorism. Why might that be? Silver and gold, silver and gold. Everyone wishes for silver and gold. So the Pope declared Israel is engaged in terrorism because two Catholic women in Gaza were uh, were killed by Israeli fire. The uh, tens of thousands of Christians slaughtered, burned, tortured, kidnapped by uh, Islamic groups in Africa. I don't know if he's ever used the word terrorism. Most people don't even know about it. The world is preoccupied with Israel because it's Jewish. End of issue.
They don't give a damn about Palestinians. They don't give a damn about Christians in Africa. The they, the they is most of the world, especially the faculty at Harvard and every other university and the poison students. Palestinians, in effect, are sort of lucky that the people they want to murder are Jews because that puts them at the center of world attention. So I'm just reading to you about Pope Francis's reaction to the slaughter of Christians in Congo. It was that the that the souls of the murdered are with God. So the attack in Congo. This is from a Catholic source. Came the day same day as Father Isaac Ashi was shot and burned to death inside his own rectory at Saints Peter and Paul Parish in the northern Niger state of Nigeria. But that's not terrorism. It's not even worthy of the world's attention. A priest burned alive for being Christian. Another priest, Father Collins Ome, was able to escape after being wounded. He described the scene. According to Father Ome, the gunman shouted, Allahu Akbar, as they attacked the parish and held both priests at gunpoint. Hmm. As they burn people alive, they speak of Allah as being the greatest. These people do not worship the same God I worship, end of issue. In fact, they have nothing in common. International Christian Concern, an ecumenical watchdog group on anti-Christian violence rated Nigeria, the single most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian in its 2022 report. During the previous year, guess how many Christians were killed by Muslims in Nigeria in just in 2021? No guess. I'm, I'm asking you to guess. 5,000. Close, 6,000. And any, any uh, talk about that on the world? No. Folks, the people, Greta Thunberg, this very sick young woman, uh, is uh, morally sick. I'm not describing her mental condition. It was now as pro-Palestinian as she is, infatuated with preventing the burning of earth through global warming. Uh, these, these people don't give a damn about Palestinians. They hate the Jewish state of Israel. It's as, it's as simple as that. That's why Jews are being attacked around the world. Jew hatred is the greatest single indicator of a decaying society. It is instantaneous. Read my book, Why the Jews. The subtitle is, what is the subtitle? Let's see. The Reason for Anti-Semitism, the Greatest Predictor of Evil in the World. All these Christians slaughtered, burned alive, 
You know how many girls have been uh, in Nigeria have been kidnapped and never heard from again? What do you think is happening to them under Muslim rule? Well, uh, I, I will say the uh, the left has aligned themselves with these people because they both hate the West, the left and the Islamists. More than a decade ago, Achi had been the pastor at St. Teresa's Church outside the national capital of Abuja when it was bombed by Islamic terrorists on Christmas Day 2011, leaving 44 people dead and at least 60 injured. All right, it, it, it's, it's endless. So this is all based on the opening comments of Bill Maher here, which I will return to now, where he spoke about how what what year was uh, was Bethlehem? He's talking about Bethlehem, right? Yeah, I think did you say 1971 or something? Uh, I don't know, but but not long ago it was 87 percent Christian, and today it's close to zero. Go ahead, please continue Change. with Bill. Two point three billion Christians. There can be no more sacred site than where their Savior was born, but they don't have it anymore, and yet no Crusader army has geared up to take it back. Things change. Countries, boundaries, empires. Palestine was under the Ottoman Empire for 400 years, but today an Ottoman is something you put under your feet. (laughs) The uh, city of Byzantium became the city of Constantinople, became Istanbul. Not everybody liked it, but you can't keep arguing the call forever. The Irish had the entire island to themselves, but the British were starting an empire, and, well, the Irish lost their tip. (laughs) They, uh... They blew each other up over it for 30 years, but eventually everybody comes to an accommodation, except the Palestinians. Was it unjust? that even a single Arab family was forced to move upon the founding of the Jewish state? Yes, but it's also not rare, happening all through history, all over the world, and mostly what people do is make the best of it. After World War II, 12 million ethnic Germans got shoved out of Russia and Poland and Czechoslovakia because being German had become kind of unpopular. This is an extremely intelligent uh, report, extremely, back in a moment. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Bill Maher's commentary on the Palestinians is is so accurate. The, I've always made the point about Pakistan. Pakistan had two million refugees as, as opposed to no no was it ten million excuse me ten million refugees yeah and. Uh, Nobody questions Pakistan's right to exist. There was no Pakistan before 1947. Muslims wrenched an area out of India. Hindus were slaughtered en masse, raped in great numbers. Dead bodies were sent back to India. Dead Muslims were sent back to Pakistan. Is Pakistan legit? Why is Pakistan legit and Israel's not? Because Israel's Jewish. And that that I've always said that has nothing to do with the current spate of anti-Semitism. 
So this is uh, Bill Maher's point. Uh, it's the only group that has refugees 75 years later. You know that there was many Jewish refugees from Arab countries in 1948 when Israel was established, as there were Arabs from Palestine. Did you know that? Probably didn't. Where are you going to learn it? At school? But uh, Israel took them in, whereas the Arab countries didn't take in the Palestinians. You know why? They wanted to foster hatred to use Palestinians to keep making wars against Israel and destroy it. We continue with Bill Maher. A million Greeks were shoved out of Turkey in 1923, a million Ghanaians out of Nigeria in 1983, almost a million French out of Algeria in 1962. Nearly a million Syrian refugees moved to Germany eight years ago. Was that a perfect fit? And no one knows more about being pushed off land than the Jews, including being almost wholly kicked out of every Arab country they once lived in. Yes, TikTok fans, ethnic... (laughs) Ethnic cleansing happened both ways. In Feder on the Roof, the family is always moving to stay one step ahead of the Cossacks, but they deal with it. When they're leaving Anatevka, they say, hey, it wasn't so great anyway. It's terrific. It's just terrific. Uh, like other countries don't have roofs you could fiddle on. Now, now that's not how they really felt, but they were coping. They coped, because sometimes that's all you can do. History is brutal, and humans are not good people. History is sad and full of wrongs, but you can't make them unhappen because a paraglider isn't a time machine. People get moved, and yes, colonized. Nobody was a bigger colonizer than the Muslim army that swept out of the Arabian desert and took over much of the world in a single Uh, century. And they didn't do it by asking. There's a reason Saudi Arabia's flag is a sword. Kosovo was the cradle of Christian Serbia. Then it became Muslim. They fought a war about it in the 90s, but stopped. They didn't keep it going for 75 years. There were deals on the table to share the land called Palestine in 1947, 93, 95, 98, 2000, 2008, and East Jerusalem could have been the capital of a state that today might look more like Dubai than Gaza. Arafat was offered 95% of the West Bank and said no. The Palestinian people should know your leaders and the useful idiots on college campuses who are their allies are not doing you any favors by keeping alive the river to the sea myth. I mean, where do you think Israel is going? Spoiler alert, nowhere. It's one of the most powerful countries in the world with the $500 billion economy, the world's second largest tech sector after Silicon Valley and nuclear weapons. They're here. They like their bagel with a schmear. Get used to it. (laughs) What's happening to Palestinians today is horrible, and not just in Gaza, in the West Bank, too. But wars end with negotiation. And what the media glosses over is 
It's hard to negotiate when the other side's bargaining position is, you all die and disappear. I mean, the chant from the river to the sea? Yeah, let's look at the map. Here's the river. Here's the sea. Oh, I see. It means you get all of it. Not just the West Bank, which was basically the original UN partition deal you rejected because you wanted all of it and always have, even though it's indisputably also the Jews' ancestral homeland. And so you attacked. All right, hold on. This is right. Uh, This should be played in every college in the country. Final segment here with Bill Maher analyzing the Middle East brilliantly. Got Bill Maher there? And attacked again and lost. And attacked again and lost. As my friend Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? Look at what Mexico used to own, all the way up to the top of California. But no Mexican is out there chanting, from the Rio Grande to Portland, Oregon. That's brilliant. (laughs) I'm hearing this part for the first time. (laughs) Because they chose a different path. They got real and built a country that's the world's 14th biggest economy now. Because they knew the United States wasn't going to give back Phoenix any more than Hamas will ever be in Tel Aviv. One one of the leaders of Hamas says, save yourselves time and imaginary dreams. In a few years, Allah willing, you will have to discuss the situation in the region after Israel. I'm sorry, who's the one with imaginary dreams? If I give you the benefit of the doubt and say your plan for a completely Jewless Palestine isn't that all the Jews should die, what is the only other option? They move. You move all the Jews. Okay, I gotta warn you, there's gonna be some kvetching. <laughs> That's complaining to those of you who don't know Jewish. You move all the Jews. And we do this with what? A fleet of trucks called Jew Hall? It's a picture of a Jew Hall. And to where are we moving this entire country? Texas? Sure, they have room, and I guess we could put the Wailing Wall on the border and kill two birds with one stone. Or we could just get serious. Okay, or we could just get serious. That's right. Okay, everybody, let's go to some calls here. Roseville, California. Larry, hello. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Hi, fine. Hey, Dennis, I called you several weeks ago. You let you commented after after uh, when I was offline. Uh, I went to a synagogue recently just to show support for the Jews around the world, and particularly in the Middle East. And I asked you if it would be a good idea to show support for for Muslim individuals. And you said absolutely not, as far as going to a a a, 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 a house of worship for Muslims. Well, I, I don't know if I said absolutely not. I might have. I just want okay. to make clear, though, to to anybody you. 
it doesn't make sense that you support both. In, in 1943, you didn't support both England and Germany. One was wrong and one was right. So by showing support to both, you are, you are being morally neutral in a case of good versus evil. And I agree, and I've given it a lot more thought uh, over the past weeks. Um, you know, I, I, I went to the synagogue recently. I, I contacted a Jewish friend of mine who I've been friends with since, since I, we were kids. He said, I asked him if it would be a good idea. In his opinion, he said yes, any support I think is good. I was welcomed with open arms to the synagogue. The rabbi met and talked with me uh, before service and said, you know, this isn't anything we're not going to get through as Jewish people. And in my in my um, interactions with Jews and, and, and Muslims, I found almost to man that, 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 that the Jews are are opening, they're welcome, they just want to live their lives, and I've come across like, so many Muslims that just want Jews dead. They want them eradicated off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it obviously came as a surprise to you, but I admire you tremendously for looking into it. The data out on the new Harvard poll of young Americans is uh, scary to the point where I'm not even sure it's accurate. What percentage of young Americans said it would be okay if Israel were eradicated? What, what did it say? I mean, it, it, somewhat approaching half or something? Yeah, I think it was 56. More than half? be very interesting. I would like to get, I'd like to talk about that if you have a young person in your life a son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, I'd be very curious uh, how they would 51. respond to the question. Is it, 51. do you think, huh? 51. 51% of young people, what, what was that age again? 18 to 25? 24. 24. Are okay with Israel being eradicated? I, I don't know if it's an accurate poll. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. I dug up, I don't even know how it appeared, a, a, a column that I wrote in the L.A. Times. I used to write regularly for the L.A. Times till it became leftist. It used to be liberal, so they'd publish conservatives, and I wrote regularly for them. 1903, I wrote a column about how you learn anti-Semitism at college. The, the, the column could have been written last week, and I wrote it, what is that, 20, 21 years ago, 20 years ago. I'm going to put that, I have to put that up. It's an amazing thing, how contemporary it is. It's like uh, five years ago, I was at Oxford. I debated the question about Hamas and Israel. And it's been put up and gone viral on YouTube. And everybody thinks that it was just given last week <laughs> or, you know, last month. <laughs> Nothing changing. That's my point. Nothing changes there. As I said in my viral video for PragerU, the first one we made on the Middle East, there are about 15 on the Middle East. They give you the best education on the Middle East in, what's 5 times 15, 75? It's the best hour and 15 minutes you could spend or have a young person spend studying the Middle East, or an old person. 
And I said, one side wants the other side dead. This is the hardest issue to solve and the easiest to explain. That was what I said. I was right. That's all it's about. If the Arabs laid down their arms, the next day there would be peace. If Israel laid down its arms, the next day there would be genocide. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.